Hello friends and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode number 44, Dark is the Night. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight are Matt. What's up everybody? And Tom. Great title, on the fly. We're three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. You know what, at some point we're going to have to get on YouTube because you guys have to see Pete's face when he surprises us with the title of the podcast. He gets way too excited. Well, no, I, I just, I want to make sure that it's acceptable after the lashing that I got last week. <laughs> that one was good. That that was, again, we did not pre, it was not discussed or anything. Pete came up off the fly with that one. Okay, so, I, I mean, but the point is to have these ambiguous, cool-sounding titles that tell you literally nothing about the episode, right? I mean, I think that's kind of where we're going with this. Oh, no, I love it. No disrespect at all. Tonight... We're going to be talking about our top five favorite Disney dark rides. We're going to hit you with a definition of dark rides before we start talking about it. But before we get into that, let's go, as always, to Tom with the news. Tom, what do we got this week? Yeah, we're going to start over in uh, in Epcot. They have given out an annual pass holder magnet, which is now available at Epcot. Uh, this is, I guess, one of the perks of being an annual pass holder. Uh, effective this week, Disney has moved the Donald Duck annual pass holder magnet from Disney's Hollywood Studios to Epcot, which is now available at the Mouse Gear Shop in Future World. I think these magnets are, are I mean, they're kind of cool. We talk about all the time, pass holders maybe don't get the perks and advantages that they, they maybe should get. I think if you if you were to talk to pass holders, they may feel the same way. They Disney has, you know, it's kind of obvious Disney doesn't need pass holders for their business to be successful. So uh, they don't necessarily treat them much differently. Uh, than, than you would, you know, any guest on their stay at Disney. Going to hit two pieces of the July 4th lineup. We'll start in Epcot. Uh, at Epcot on July 4th, the Voices of Liberty, an acapella group, will perform traditional Americana songs on the America Gardens Theater stage at 5.30, 6.45, and 8 p.m. In addition to that, Disney characters will be dressed in their Independence Day attire. They will meet guests during the day at the American Adventure to cap off the night, Illuminations, Reflections of Earth will feature a special July 4th finale. I think July 4th would be a really fun holiday to be in Epcot. But crazy busy. It is, it is extremely busy. Uh, it is a very, very popular day in the World Showcase uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, especially when you get over to American Pavilion. It'll be hot as well. I think these are all three things, you know, the Disney character meet and greets. If, if you're interested in getting pictures and Autographs, more pictures for this one. I mean, getting characters in their Independence Day attire is kind of cool. You know, any kind of change to Illuminations is probably welcomed uh, for folks who, who go to Disney often. And one of the fun things about any kind of holiday at Disney, but especially, you know, the 4th of July, if you're into Disney pin trading, and we've talked about it, you know, not a lot on the podcast, but there are always some really cool pins that you can get, um, especially any holiday. But I really like the 4th of July because it's one of my favorite holidays. Moving over to Magic Kingdom. New, spooky, but not-so-scary experiences coming to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Uh, so I know we mentioned on either the podcast, the last podcast or the one prior to that, uh, obviously this hard-ticketed event will take place on select nights between August 17th and October 31st. And it looks like they're going to add some things this year, which are, which are kind of exciting. Uh, so I'm going to start in Fantasyland and kind of go around the, uh, around the park here. First in Fantasyland, the Mad Tea Party will take guests for a colorful ride as new lighting and special effects will give a new spin on the night. The color of your costume can make you transform under the new dancing lights. Uh, over in Adventureland, if you get on the Pirates of the Caribbean, 
new pirates will invade experience and interact with guests who join the search for gunpowder Pete. Tomorrowland, my favorite attraction, Space Mountain, will be treated with a new soundtrack and special effects as the adventure transforms. I'm going to come back to this one, by the way. And then for the you know the, the smaller kids that will be going uh, over there in Storybook Circus, they will have a Disney Junior Jam. It's like a dance party featuring some of the favorite and more popular Disney Junior characters, including Doc McStuffins. This is something that you've heard at Disneyland. They've done some new soundtrack stuff with their Space Mountain. I think this is a great idea. Being that I've, I've been to this event and seen some of the wait times, you know, Mad Tea Party is typically one that has no wait. Pirates Caribbean pretty much has no wait. And so by adding these little twists, maybe they'll attract more people to go to those attractions and, and it spreads people out just even, even better than they already are spread out. But I think this is really smart and I think it'll be really well received. I Personally, I want some Nightmare Before Christmas going into Haunted Mansion. That would be awesome. Now, I, I know that that's Christmas time at Disneyland, but I mean, that's, that's the type of overlay that I think we need to get to eventually at, at Magic Kingdom. As popular as it is at Disneyland, wouldn't, would never, it would not surprise me a bit to see it come to Disney World at some point. Mm-hmm. And staying with the July 4th lineup that I mentioned at Epcot, so Magic Kingdom also has uh, a little twist for July 4th. Uh, so guests uh, who are in Magic Kingdom on both July 3rd and 4th will be able to check out a special patriotic concert in the sky fireworks show at 9.15 p.m. Uh, this is one of the more popular fireworks shows uh, in the entire Central Florida area. It is often on a, uh, you know, you can find it on local news networks. It is often televised. And the park will reach... In most cases, it will reach capacity before the fireworks go off. If you want to see this show, I would plan to be there early. I have heard about and read about this show coming into this year, and people are already kind of chalking it up as they don't want to, you know, annual pass holders, for example, don't want to even deal with Magic Kingdom. But this show is all it's cracked up to be. You can see it on YouTube. They have a, a variation of it. Obviously, they, they make some tweaks every year. This is a 360 fireworks show. So, you know, it's, it's similar to like if you go to a not so scary or very merry and you got fireworks going on all around you in the Magic Kingdom. So this one is one that I'm sure people are very excited for. Moving over to Hollywood Studios. We are on the day we're recording this. We are a week away from uh, Toy Story Land opening. And with that news, Toy Story Land Digital map. The digital map Toy Story Land is now officially, a, you can view it in the My Disney Experience app. It did make its debut. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it, it gets you excited. You can see the layout of the area. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of followed this the whole, you know, the whole way. We've, we've gone in depth and uh, on everything we know and we can report at this point. Uh, by the time we record our next episode, uh, this will have been opened. And so we'll have some some feedback from you know, tidbits we can pick up. But if you have the My Disney Experience app, pop in, go look at the uh, map for Hollywood Studios and you can look over at Toy Story Land and look at it from above. The last bit of news, more news for your annual pass holders. Your gold, platinum, platinum plus, and premier uh, pass holders can take advantage of a new bring a friend offer that allows them to purchase a single day park hopper ticket for friends or family. Uh, They take it to $79 plus tax from now through June 29th. So not much time left on this and Disney being strategic on the, the last day they offer it, the day before Toy Story Land opens. Uh, but this is one of the lower-cost deals for tickets that, uh, that that I can remember. Uh, if anyone else has one, please share. So if you're an annual pass holder and you've got a friend or family that wants to have a Disney day uh, in the next uh, week, this program is probably one you want to take advantage of because, again, it's 79 bucks 
and it's pass holder single day ticket. Okay. And I've, I've just got one more little piece of news, something I just came across. And this actually comes from Disneyland. So a little bit out of our scope, but this kind of hit me really hard. I watched this video of a, a child who was deaf going to Disneyland and, and meeting Minnie and Mickey for the first time. And this kid was part of a program that organizes Disneyland trips for foster and adoptive kids. And a lot of these kids are come from abusive pasts. Meeting Minnie and Mickey the first time, again, this this child is deaf. Minnie and Mickey signed to him, it's nice to meet you and, and I love you. And it just, I don't know, for some reason it hit me really hard. Disney as a, as a corporation, you know, is a big greedy corporation, whatever. You can say what you want about them, but the people that work there really care and and for them to do something like like that you know to to make this kid's day and and this kid's gonna remember that for forever so something else disney did no i appreciate you sharing that that's really cool all right so no more news let's pause for just a minute here to hear from our sponsor destinations with character this episode was brought to you by destinations with character travel agency where quality service and client satisfaction are their top priority family time and memory making are so important so trust the many dedicated and professional travel consultants at destinations with character to plan your dream vacation they'll provide you and your loved ones the most magical vacations possible and they take great pride in meeting each client's needs all while staying within budget and providing multiple options to make your vacation dreams a reality with over 30 agents across the country destinations with character travel agency has the resources to give each client dedicated one-on-one service. So experience their over 50 years of expertise at Disney parks, cruises, and travel as Destinations with Character Travel Agency takes the stress and hassle out of your vacation so you can enjoy it to the fullest. Simply give them a call to get started at 630-308-2350 and let the magic begin. Destinations with Character Travel Agency, making dream vacations come true every single day. You can reach them at their email account, D-E-S-T-W-I-T-H-C-H-A-R at Comcast.net or their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com. All right, well, so with that, we'll move right into our main topic here. And again, we're going to be talking about Disney dark rides and, and specifically our top five Disney dark rides. I'm going to read directly from Wikipedia here the definition of a dark ride so that we all are kind of on the same page. Dark ride is an indoor amusement park ride on which passengers aboard guided vehicles travel through specially lit scenes that typically contain animation, sound, music, and special effects. So what I love about this is this came from Wikipedia, I believe. And I think Pete actually wrote the Wikipedia definition before he told us that's why we're using this definition. I did not write the Wikipedia article. I just... You know, standard source, everybody knows is out there. We can pull up Webster's if you want. That is the definition from Wikipedia of a dark ride. So let's get directly into it. Matt, do you want to go ahead and start with your uh, with your number one dark ride at Disney World? Number one for me is Tower of Terror. I think of dark rides and immediately my first gut was Tower of Terror. Um, you have the entire Twilight Zone aspect here. You have the you know, haunted hotel, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into. And I just think that it is the definition of scary, but also it brings in some nostalgia factor for a lot of people that grew up with the, you know, the tower of terror and the twilight zone. I'm okay with this. It's kind of pushing the definition of dark ride in my opinion, but again, you do have a lot of the ride where you're going through, you're looking at scenes from the twilight zone. So it does kind of fit that in my opinion, you've got the thrill ride aspect of it too. And I would more classify it as a thrill ride but i think there are definitely some dark ride aspects of this and and it is a good ride so you've you've got that going for you as well 
Yeah, I'm the same way, and I, because of something on my list, I'm going to have to argue that this is definitely a dark ride. Matt hit on it, and, and Pete hit on it. You have some different scenes here, and then you have the element of surprise. It is indoors and and dark. Uh, I know that's not the the definition that uh, that Pete, you know, kind of put this an umbrella over us to operate under. But no, I I have nothing I have nothing against this this attraction. And if you're going to Hollywood Studios right now in the next seven days, high likelihood that you're going to have to ride this one to uh, say you rode anything there. So I, I'm with you, Matt. One of the very like one of my most favorite aspects of this ride is actually the very end of the ride when you're about to get off the elevator. When you go into the room where you're about to exit the elevator, I think the physical scenery there is pretty cool. You have like dolls, you have creepy like bird cage. I mean, bird cages. You have creepy everything that's around you when you're coming back in. And I think that's one of the things because you know in this ride, it's a lot of you know screen time. Like you're watching something on a screen, and which what I think is pretty cool. They still incorporate you know in the entire you know queue where you're walking through this hotel looks like it's been deserted for years. And it kind of sets up the whole ambiance for this dark ride. Okay, Tom. All right, so I'm going to push the uh, push the envelope here, and I'm going to say Space Mountain as a dark <laughs> ride. There is a scene. There is one Mountain. scene. It is it is an indoor dark attraction with a scene. I think you're really really pushing it here. I mean, I- there is music. There's music that plays a role in it. <laughs> there are blue lights and red lights, and you go into hyperspace. Our outro music has often been the Space Mountain music. So I'm going to say Space Mountain because it's my favorite attraction. And I think all our listeners will agree. I really think you're pushing it here. I mean, it's a, it's a good ride. Don't get me wrong, but I think you're really, really pushing the definition of dark ride with this one. Yes, it's dark, but it, whatever, I'll give it to you. Just because my number one dark ride is Splash Mountain. Shocking, I know. But I think with Splash Mountain, at least, you really do get the uh, the dark ride. It, it ticks all the boxes, right? It's dark. It's got music. It's got theming. You go through scenes with characters in there. So the majority of Splash Mountain is is dark, very, very much dark ride. Yeah, and, and Splash Mountain, that's one of your big ticket attractions at Disney World. I think it, it another one that could creep into Thrill Ride. Apart from a Thrill Ride, there's much more of a story in Splash Mountain than you get in most Thrill Rides. Yeah, and I, we've talked about the difference between a, a log flume at an amusement park and Splash Mountain before. There's just so much more there. I mean, Splash Mountain is such a long ride. That you really get your money's worth waiting. You know, That's why I don't really have a problem waiting an hour in line for it, because you really do get your money's worth with this ride. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. Now, Pete, do you want to do your second one, or do you want to roll back to, to Mad? And how do, how do you want to do that? I, I'll go ahead and do my second one. Disney classic. Can't go to can't go to Magic Kingdom without riding it. Pirates of the Caribbean. I, th- this fits the definition of a dark ride to me, hundred percent, perfectly. You're on a boat. There is a little bit of a thrill ride aspect to it. I mean, you do have the drop in there, but for the most part, you're going through lighted scenes of pirates looting and pillaging and doing everything that pirates do: drinking, auctioning ladies off. I guess not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, I, there's there's no way we could have gotten through this episode without pirates being on there because this is a dark ride. This is one of the top attractions at Disney World, in my opinion. And and I mean, this it does. It's it's the one thing I like about it is it hasn't turned into Pirates of the Caribbean the entire way. You know, from the movie franchise the entire way through, it still has uh, some of the original intentions. Obviously, you have uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, you have Barbosa. But it's not heavily predicated on the movie. And, and you go back to Walt's 
vision for this attraction and his hands are all over it still and looking at top disney dark rides yeah pirates caribbean is is definitely one for the entire family to enjoy and there's just so much here looking at it from the from a first ride through standpoint yeah you get the basic story but you really start looking and you really start seeing so much of the detail that's in this ride. I mean, just think about the guy sitting up on the bridge whose foot is hanging down. As I think you that's pass everyone's go to when you talk about the realism in that attraction. And I mean, I'm right there with you, man. That thing is, that looks like a dude's leg. <laughs> I mean, for good reason, right? Because it's it's so realistic. The, the one thing that makes it look not real is the di- the distance between his big toe and his second toe on his foot. And the reason there's a huge gap there, there used to be a handkerchief there. And people would stand up on the attraction to try and yank the handkerchief. And so, of course, uh, Disney was forced to to take it out. But diving even deeper into this one, we could do a whole episode on pirates. Because there's there's three or four different storylines of what you're actually ex- experiencing there while you're going through it. It's kind of like Haunted Mansion in that sense. That, you know, are you dreaming and you're in a dream of a pirate? Are you actually, have you died and you're you're reliving the last moments of the pirate? I mean, there's a... There's a, uh, a lot of different storylines, so good good choice, Pete. All right, what's your next one? My next one is going to be Frozen Ever After because I feel like you guys are upset that it's not, uh, not Maelstrom anymore. Super upset. But it, it is, again, I mean, you're, it's, a, it's a slow-moving boat ride. You do have the tiny drop backwards, actually, um, which is kind of unique. And then you are, I mean, some of the technology in Frozen Ever After is really, really good. Uh, so that that's kind of neat. And, and you are kind of going through the movie to a lesser degree. Uh, it it kind of has its own spin on things as well. This is the one I'm going with again. This is over in the Norway Pavilion Nepcot, if you're not familiar with that area or you've not been to Disney since this opened. Uh, and this is, you know, the same track that was on Maelstrom, completely different theming. I mean, the queue's totally different and the... Uh, the attraction itself is totally different. I like the technological aspect of Frozen Ever After. I'm still pretty ticked that they closed Maelstrom to put it in. I, th- I think that, again, this was Disney's attempt to put Frozen in the parks as quickly as they could. Maelstrom, if you would have asked me about Maelstrom 10 years ago before it closed, would I have cared? Probably not. But, <laughs> but because they closed it, you know, th- that just that makes it mean that much more. And, and I have fond memories of being a child and not wanting to wait in line for any any rides at Disney World anymore and just being able to to run around and get back on Maelstrom over and over and over again and riding it four or five, six times in a row just because nobody was back there. Well, I'll take um, two stabs at this, kind of talking about you know, a couple of, like, you know, the nostalgia factor, but I think this is definitely Disney, and you see it right now with Ratatouille as well, making a move from strictly country-based theming rides to let's incorporate current Disney into Disney World, especially Epcot, which I think is really cool, number one. Um, I love they're doing Ratatouille. I hope they can incorporate Because, I mean, if you watch any Disney movie, you know not, they're not all based in the U.S., right? So I think it's really cool they're now taking Epcot to that next level. Hopefully they can still incorporate some of the things that made Maelstrom great, where you have the tradition and the lore of the country. Um, so that's that's the first prong thing, I guess. And I guess the last thing I would say is it stinks it's gone because <laughs> I did enjoy it. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at you look at the intended audience for Frozen and Epcot, I guess, in the World Showcase, and you have a lot of families and kids going through there. So to get Frozen in the parks quickly was one thing, but you had to find an attraction if you wanted to take an existing one that kids could handle. And, I mean, I've been on Frozen and seen kids terrified of the backwards drop. 
but it for the most part uh, th- there's not a huge concern with kids riding it and obviously that's that's why this weight line you know or this queue rather is 110 to 180 minutes pretty consistently I, I think you're right and I think Epcot has always had these I don't know if you'd call it a stigma but it's always been associated with more of an adult theme park just because of what the world showcase is and and you're right Matt I think that this this is the first step, and, and Disney is going further with bringing Guardians of the Galaxy and bringing Ratatouille in into making this more of a, of a family theme park. It's, it's interesting the dynamic is going to change there a lot because this is the most popular park also with the Orlando locals too, right? I mean, you, you look at Friday, Saturday night at Epcot, it's, it's packed. It's Orlando locals that are in there at the theme park. I mean, Disney sells a Epcot after four ticket or annual pass. Yep. So it'll, it's it's interesting to me, and and it, and I look forward to seeing how that changes as Disney does add more characters and Ratatouille. That'll be another dark ride we can uh, we can talk about on a future episode. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. What else? Uh, what you got next? Yeah, so my next one, I guess I will. Um, so I'm either in Animal Kingdom or Magic Kingdom. Looking at my list, I'll go back to the Magic Kingdom, and we've already touched on this ride here a little bit. But the Haunted Mansion, I think this is clearly a dark ride according to Peter's very loose definition of a dark ride. But um, <laughs> I mean, I think I just think this one's iconic. It kind of goes hand in hand with Pirates of the Caribbean, and you see, you know, you see things that no matter how old you are, you go back to the Haunted Mansion, and you still remember, you know, going in certain rooms going through certain parts you, you know you remember the doors you know kind of creaking off the wall or opening with by themselves you remember the dining room i mean it's just an iconic ride that i get excited for every single time i do it no, no matter how many times i've done it that trip what do you guys think i agree i mean not and, it, and it's not it's not very exciting it's not a thrill ride but it's you're right there's so much there that you think about the haunted mansion you it just comes into your head yeah I'm jealous. One, and we did a whole deep dive into this attraction on one of our um, other episodes around Halloween, actually. The Haunted Mansion, Matt alluded to it. You do remember almost every scene in there. The theming, the overall like feel when you're on the attraction, when right when you get off the attraction, when you're waiting for the attraction. Uh, th- this sums it up. And again, if we're, if we're sticking to the Disney Dark Ride uh, definition here that we kind of gave you at the beginning of the episode, the beginning of the, of the topic, I think Haunted Mansion checks every box. Another uh, another good choice, and that it, again, that was right in line with Pirates for me. I think both you guys nailed it with those choices. So I'll just go back around the horn here, and I'll just start with my next one as well. Um, Peter Pan. I mean, this is one of those rides where how do you not enjoy it? I think 90% of Americans have seen Peter Pan at one point or another. And I just think that that ride is one of the rides that, just takes that movie and encapsulates every single moment in the movie in like four or five minutes, which is so cool to me. And I really enjoy it. What do you guys think? I want to like this choice. I really do. But not after waiting 90 minutes or 100 minutes in line for it. If if this line moved quicker or if the, if the ride had more capacity and more people could go through it and it didn't have the 90, 100 minute wait. Like, I'm not riding this ride without a fast pass. As, as we talked about in To Wait or Not To Wait, I'm not going to do it, even though they've updated the queue, because it's not worth it. Do I think it's a good ride? Yeah, and do I think that it's great to for everybody to experience it? Sure. I, I don't know. I have trouble getting on board with this just, just because of that wait. And I think when you talk about that wait, I guess it's less of, it's less of an argument against Peter Pan, 
and more of an argument against the other rides that are in Fantasyland. There's just nothing else to take attention away from Fantasyland. I mean, at one point it was Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh used to have 90-minute waits when it first opened, which was great. But that's probably the, what's the latest ride in Fantasyland? Seven Dwarfs I mean, Mine seven Train. Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I think there's you still when you run into that aspect, and that's where I think where you run into the long line at Peter Pan. Every child that goes into Fantasyland is going to do Peter Pan. Not every child is going to be brave enough to do Mine Train. No, that's, and that's where I was going. I think that the wait speaks to the popularity of this ride, no question. So obviously it's, it's worth waiting in line for, otherwise people wouldn't do it. You know, in my opinion, I think that people are getting off of Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and they're saying, mm, Peter Pan's right here. We're going to go, we're going to go on Peter Pan. I think, I think that's the reason why the line's. And so I think long. that speaks to like the larger point too. Okay. So outside of Seven Dwarfs, I wasn't really considering that because I was more thinking Dumbo. I was thinking, Winnie the Pooh. I was thinking those those kind of rides for Fantasyland because I do think that that Seven Dwarfs Mine Train has kind of transcended what Fantasyland really has been for a very long time from a ride aspect or attraction aspect. So I just think you don't really have anything else to take away from those two rides. So when you have a bunch of eight, nine, ten, eleven year olds, even younger, three, four, five year olds, you're really limited to Dumbo and you're limited to Peter Pan and maybe Winnie the Pooh. I, I think so too, and I, I can remember the first time I rode this ride. You know, I remember taking off at the beginning of the ride, flying over London. No question, this is an iconic Disney experience. I mean, no, no doubt about that at all. So, from that perspective, yes, it it definitely it definitely is a top Disney dark ride. But I don't know, that weight just kills it for me. Yeah. So I agree with everything you guys said. I actually think it's a small world. Probably feels more of the put like rollover from Peter Pan than Mine Train to Peter Pan. I, I would think Winnie the Pooh would feel more of the push-up, like, oh, we get off Mine Train, here's Winnie the Pooh, and there's no wait. I think Peter Pan is definitely a top dark ride at Disney World, but I agree with the wait time thing. I mean, I, I, I've done it my last two trips, so I can't, say, I can't lie and say I would skip it, but I did it for two reasons that were, you know, almost beyond my control. I mean, it's, it is one of my favorite rides, but both kind of trips I went on, there were other people who were interested in, in, in doing this attraction. While I agree the attraction itself is a great, great dark ride and it, it meets the definition, it checks all the boxes. If I, out of all the dark rides we've mentioned, I would skip this one before any of the other ones so far. Uh, really? Kind of sums it up. You'd, you'd skip this over Frozen? Yeah, I, I actually enjoy Frozen more than Peter Pan at this point, but it could be because I've done Peter Pan so many times. I gotcha. All right, what's, what's your next one? So... I've, I've my, I want my next one to be Test Track, but I, is that a dark? Can we consider that a dark? It's dark, track? and you're in a ride, and there's dark aspects. I'll let it slide, but here's my thing about Test Track: is that the dark ride component of Test Track kind of sucks. I don't dislike Test Track. I just don't know why it's as popular as it is. Stride in Disney World, didn't you know? Uh, okay, that? but you're in a car, like you rode in a car to get there, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I um. Test Track's one of my favorite attractions at Disney again. I, I think the immersiveness of Test Track now, where you actually, as long as you're not in the single rider line, you could create your own car and, and you kind of see how it performs. Uh, do not Google how to create the best car online because there are answers and you you will just kind of cheat the system. But uh, te- I, I think Test Track has a bunch of cool components to it. I miss the old Test Track versus the new Test Track. I wish we had the old Test Track and you could still create your own car. I was going to say that exact same thing is I, I feel like th- that dark ride aspect 
was better with the old test track than the new test track. I would agree. Where you went, where you went through all the testing and the hot and cold chambers yep. and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it. They detailed that a little bit more than they do now. I think they could have done it where you create your own vehicle and still go through all these tests and 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 kind of have the whole, you know, the whole package. I mean, test track's popular for a reason. I uh, yeah, it is popular because of the you know the the outdoor portion of it. Uh, but also, I mean, you do go through some pretty neat tests, and if it's something you haven't done, then I highly recommend it. This one would be kind of a push for me as far as dark rides are concerned. I mean, I enjoy Test Track more, but Peter Pan and Test Track kind of have a push of a, of a wait time. So either thrill ride, more so with Test Track, or you know, slow, steady, and and go through the movie of Peter Pan. I don't know. That's two of your choices. I've found pretty. Uh, wait till you so wait till you hear my next choice. Well, well, well. I think my last two are fine. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go ahead and roll into my next one. Then I'm going another classic Disney ride. Staying at Epcot, Spaceship Earth. I don't know how you can ro- go to Epcot and not ride Spaceship Earth. Uh, I mean, it's a his- it's a history lesson, I know, and I know you really dislike that. But it's just one of those iconic Disney things. I mean, you walk in and you see Spaceship Earth. That's the first thing you see at Epcot. How could you not want to ride that ride? Because it smells bad. You need to skip it right there in the morning. Don't make it the first thing you ride because... There are a lot of folks that the first queue they see, they walk in line. To. Oh, yeah. It's it's packed first thing in the morning. I do think Spaceship Earth is is a dark ride. Checks all the boxes of your definition. It is a history lesson. There are some pretty cool little hidden Mickeys you can find in there if, if you don't care about the history and you just want to have fun. There is, at the end of the, the attraction, obviously with the way they've kind of tied in some some neat technology. I mean, Spaceship Earth, that's a good choice. I mean, your, your, your three choices have been pretty in line with your definition Oh, when we go and we go to to dark rides, especially by Pete's definition, um, I think he's picked three straight iconic Disney attractions. Which- and 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 why would I? I mean, I've got Splash Mountain like as my lead off. I don't need to take risks with that leading the way. I will say, I think the the best part for me of Spaceship Earth is when you when you get to the top and you see Earth projected, you know, on the inside of uh, of the dome there. That's a pretty that's a pretty cool yeah. iconic moment for me. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, well, I will just go ahead and roll into my next one and surprise surprise it is Winnie the Pooh. I like this ride a lot. This is and I think this is really so far the only dark ride that I have on here that could be considered kind of cute and more of a kiddie ride, you know. The way and what does what does it for me this ride is the Tigger part where the car actually starts bouncing. That's cool. Oh, that's my favorite part of the attraction. <laughs> this attraction has a little bit of a scary side to it. I, and I, what do they call it again? The he- the heffalumps and woozles. Yeah, that that just that song creeps me out. But the song's awesome. Anyway, no, this is this is another good dark attraction. Uh, this one's definitely kid friendly. Uh, not that your other ones weren't. Uh, I mean, Splash Mountain maybe and Pirates can be a little creepy, but Spaceship Earth and Winnie the Pooh both for the family for sure. And you check all the boxes again. I mean, th- this is. Uh, this is one over in Fantasyland. We kind of alluded to it when we we spoke about Seven Dwarfs, and it's one you can get on relatively easily. I, I think that if if it comes down to this versus Peter Pan, this is always going to have the shorter wait, and it's always going to be 100%. a lot easier to get on. Hundred percent. So if you've got to make that decision, make the make the Winnie the Pooh decision. I think. <laughs> or if you're in a fat, <laughs> or if you're in a fast pass pickle, do it. Do the fast pass for Peter Pan, not Winnie the Pooh. Well. Moving over to my fourth selection, and if you are an avid listener of the show or if you've started listening from Tom Does Disney to this point, you know I don't like this attraction. 
I've made that adamantly clear. But if we're talking just top Disney dark rides, it doesn't mean I have to like it. And I'm picking Navi River Journey, believe it or not. I know it's an upset. I, I didn't even want to pick it, but we kind of talked through it off, 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 um, offline here, and it made sense uh, because I am the only one in the, the group right now who has had a chance to experience the attraction. It checks all the boxes. It's, it, it's a slow-moving boat ride. There are scenes to be seen. There are, you know, it's similar to Dinosaur in a sense. They do have some uh, screens that you look at, uh, and then they do have one of the most realistic animatronics, if it, it, the most realistic animatronic I've ever seen in my life. That is alone worth at least doing the attraction once. You may get off of it and say, man, I hated 90% of that. Yeah, you probably will. But the last 10%, when you get to interact with the animatronic, it's it's incredible. And the technology in this attraction, that animatronic and some of the other things they do throughout, when you look, you know, anywhere you look in this attraction, there is something going on. Whether you look up at leaves and you see, you know, different animals hopping around, where you're looking left and right, you're seeing panthers. And I know these probably aren't, it, that's not the correct term because I'm in Pandora, but um, that's what they look like to me. I had no plans to go to Animal Kingdom and not do both Navi River Journey and Flight of Passage. And we didn't put Flight of Passage on, on the dark rides, just like we're not putting Soarin', uh, just so people don't come back and say, oh, well, those two, yeah, they would have been on there. But with the definition we, we're kind of operating under, you know, what, what applied here was Navi River Journey. And I think I would have gone to, or to Animal Kingdom, excuse me, a second day to do Navi River Journey. I mean, that now that I've done it, you know, I can check check the box. That makes sense. So, Pete, how any any? I know it's tough for you guys to comment on Navi River Journey just because you haven't had a chance to ride it yet. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, again, it's it is what it is. It's a great technological accomplishment, I guess you could call it, but not a very good ride. Definitely not an e-ticket attraction. It 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 does eat up a good crowd of people though, because people are waiting. I mean, they're waiting 110 minutes to ride it, and and it is one of those fast passes that. So I've have you checked the wait times for that recently? I've seen it. It's dropped off quite substantially. I mean, there's, listen, there's been. I mean, there's you. Na- I mean, I'd rather do dinosaur. I'd rather do any of the shows. I mean, I there's a lot of things I'd rather. I, I may would do this over Primeval World. Aside from that, I mean, there's you know if I could get a fast pass for almost anything else, I'd probably take that over Navi River Journey. Makes sense to me. All right, well, Matt, uh, what what do you got? Yeah, so guys, um, moving into my um, fourth dark ride attraction here. I'm going to go Dinosaur. I think it's one of those rides that it's never going to be the first ride you think about when you think about a Disney attraction. But at the same time, it's 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 fun. It's If you've never been, you're not going to expect what happens, I'll be honest. So that's one of the fun fun things for me. And you learn a little bit too. Um, what do you guys think? 100% a dark ride and 100% better than Navi River Journey from an experience standpoint, not a technology standpoint. You have the element of surprise. You have... Uh, different scenes you take in. I, I will mention it is very dark at times, and they actually have worked to lighten it up a little bit uh, because one, it was deemed a bit too scary, and two, you couldn't see some of the things that you know are kind of the cool animatronics. While I don't know the technology is necessarily freakishly good here, uh, it is cool. I mean, all the dinosaurs that move uh, inside of the attraction itself. Uh, so this is one that I think it checks the boxes for a dark ride, and it's forever going to be popular Animal Kingdom until they turn that area into Indiana Jones. Until they turn it into Indiana Jones. I like that. No, I'm on board with this. I like Dinosaur. I would argue that this is one of my favorite rides at Animal Kingdom, not having been on Flight of Passage. I'm disappointed when it's closed, and I can't go on it. 
but it but it is kind of pushing into the thrill ride realm a little bit but but definitely still a dark ride all right i'm, I'm gonna take it into and if you are a longtime listener you will know my affinity for this ride Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin. Yeah, so on this ride, it's a lot of fun when you kind of like figure out how to become a galactic hero. But regardless, it's one of those rides, and I think Pete's talked about this in the past, where it kind of spins off of the actual movie Toy Story, and it goes into like a new Buzz Lightyear type story. And you're trying to defeat Zerg, and you have all these targets to shoot at, and it's super fun, especially to do with them. You know, maybe your brother and you just, you know, you take the controls and you spin left when he's trying to shoot right or, you know, you make it a competition. And that's why this is one of my favorite attractions. What do y'all think? So I'm going to agree it's a dark, a dark ride because of my next one, I think is a dark ride. And it's a similar, a lot of similarities actually in them, in between them. But <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there's a question that this is a dark ride. I, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, Buzz Lightyear is still pretty popular. I mean, it, it's 25 to 40 minute wait pretty consistently uh, and it does put through a lot of people uh, it's kind of like haunted mansion in that sense where the the ride very rarely stops uh i agree with matt i think there's a not only do you, you kind of jump into that toy size theme of toy story but there there are quite a few reminders of the movie in there uh, and it is but it is kind of its own independent deal you know right it's you're kind of helping buzz Lightyear. you you're not you know, involved with all the other Toy Story characters. I mean, it's been it's been around for a while. Uh, I was laughing when Matt said, "If you're a longtime listener, so you have to be a longtime listener, but not an in the middle listener." <laughs> you had to have started at the beginning and missed <laughs> missed the middle where Matt where Matt had to take a leave of absence. So you have to be a real longtime listener. <laughs> yeah, so you got to listen like episodes one yep. through maybe twelve, and then pick yeah. back up at forty two. But you know what? I bet y'all saw a dip in listeners with me out of the picture. <laughs> we won't comment there. But No comment. Uh, so my, my problem with this ride is, again, it's showing its age. The guns don't work as well as they have before. The ride just doesn't isn't as attractive as it was in the past. When this opened, it was awesome. It was incredible. In my opinion, I think there's so much more they could do with this space. I want to I see a different ride in here. Well, well here's the deal. If they're going to start mixing up spaces in Tomorrowland, Stitch's Great Escape is the first one to go. Don't take Buzz from me and leave Stitch. Yeah, and now Pete, I have a question, and this this kind of segues right over to 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 my last one, which is Toy Story Midway Mania. Do you do you feel worse towards Buzz because of Toy Story Mid- Midway Mania now? Yes, ab- absolutely. I think that because we have Toy Story Midway Mania now, it's like, what's the point of Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin? So. I will, and, I, and I'll get to Toy Story Midway Mania. I've always said now that they have Toy Story Land, Buzz Lightyear doesn't necessarily, you know, it's like, oh, this shouldn't be here. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, it, it's a dark ride, and it, it definitely is one that I love. And, and Toy Story Midway, Midway Mania, I actually, I don't like quite as much as Buzz, even though it's technologically more, you know, technology more advanced. They, they're, it's, a, it's an extremely wildly popular attraction uh, for a reason. It is one that maybe maybe because I'm I'm better at Buzz, I can max out my score there, and I haven't quite figured that out on Toy Story Midway Mania yet. Well, one of the funniest things that has happened recently to me is with my wife and um, her family. I actually found out, and this is why I love Buzz, because it's a little bit different than Toy Story Midway Mania in this respect. I found out that both of my wife's brothers started crying on Buzz Lightyear because neither of them were allowed to direct the cart that they were on or the ride. Because their dad was on it and was directing everything and just moving left, right, right, left. 
Tom and I actually, I actually had that same experience with Tom when we went on uh, Buzz Lightyear the last time. Tom was crying because I, I wouldn't let him control the car. No, I was telling Pete where we needed to be looking if he wanted to max out, and Pete was going rogue and only giving himself angles. But we both maxed out our score. It takes into you need some fam- family camaraderie to be able to do that attraction because. I mean, I know if I got it on my brother, like, we couldn't do it. Well, you know, talking to these last two, since they are so similar, I think they check the boxes for a dark attraction at Disney World. They are family-friendly, uh, which is an added bonus. And then you have the, the kind of competitive shooter-type game. I know, I know. I think we told you you could skip, what was the little shooting range in Frontierland? Yeah, the, the Frontierland Shooting Gallery. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so you can skip that and go go uh, go shoot over at Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger Spinner, Toy Story, Midway Mania. Moving to you, Pete. What you got for us? All right, so I, I kind of cheated here, and I've got two more. One of them doesn't really count. So let me go to the my last one first. And y'all are going to laugh at this probably, but my last one is It's a Small World. I hate audible I, audible laughing. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> no, but but for the same for the same reason, well, similar reasons that you picked the Navi River Journey. I I don't really like It's a Small World all that much, but I think that It's a Small World is a very very important part of Disney World. I mean, you look at look at the movie Shrek. When Shrek decided to make fun of Disney World, where did they go? They went to It's a Small World. I mean, that's what everybody thinks of when they think of Disney World. And to me, that's the biggest argument that somebody who's not a Disney fan has against Disney World is, I don't want to go ride It's a Small World. So that that makes it iconic. It makes it iconic, but at the same time, like I'm kind of like Shrek. I don't want to ride It's a Small World. But Matt, have when have you gone and not ridden It's a Small World? The last time I went with you. No, we definitely rode It's yeah, a Small World. Yeah, you probably actually forced me to do it. It's not my favorite ride, but... I get it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, and I don't want it to go away. I'll put it that way. I don't necessarily want to ride it, but I don't want it to go away. This is this is another one that's much better at Disneyland than Disney World, uh, but it is a Disney classic, and it, it checks every box for a dark ride. To Pete's point, I do not remember the last time I went to Disney World, and I skipped this one. And with it being there in Fantasyland, you know, you're making your way over to Haunted Mansion, and then you're kind of like, you know what? There's only a five-minute wait for It's a Small World. Let's go sit down and... And uh, rip our ears off. Right? I mean, I've been (laughs) trapped on It's a Small World before. And let me tell you, after about five minutes, it gets real old. I don't know. I mean, I I think, again, we weren't necessarily sharing our favorite attractions while Matt and I did break out of that and share Space Mountain, Tower of Terror, and Test Track. We're talking the top Disney dark rides and whatever reason they may fall into that category, whether they're really popular, whether they're Disney classic and I mean, It's a Small World definitely falls into that category. So I know Pete has an honorable mention, and I think Matt has one. And then in closing, I also, I'm going to just, you know, hit not going to depth on, on some that kind of came across uh, came across as ones we almost added in, but we didn't. So who's who wants to do their honorable mention first? Yeah, so let me go first here. Um, Pete, I kind of want to get your definition of a dark ride, because I'm going to say that Rock and Roller Coaster has every aspect of a dark ride that you can even think of. That's a thrill ride. That is a that is a roller coaster and a thrill ride. I am very anti rock and roller coaster. At least Space Mountain has a scene that you travel by. So you're saying that all the street signs on rock and roller coaster to get <laughs> to the concert don't count. Oh my god. You're stretching I think you're, you're really, stretching this really one. stretching. You're stretching I this mean, more than the stretch limo. You're stretching this. <laughs> guys, this is a super stretch argument. I, I like that. Pete, go ahead and, and uh share yours. All right, and I, I purposely left this off the news 
today because I knew we were going to be talking about it. Disney still has not reopened the Great Movie Ride. Of course, this is going to be the Great Movie Ride. This was the ultimate dark ride at Disney World. It had live actors. How many How many dark rides have live actors? How many rides at Disney, actual rides, like not just like going to watch something, but like rides where you're moving through have live actors? Now, this was a mistake closing this. I'll say that till the day I die. Drinking out of my great movie ride cup right now as we speak. Yeah, this one, this was... All I can say is the Mickey ride better be the most incredible ride in the history of Disney World. Otherwise, I'm going to be ticked. This this was... You sound like one, like a pouting child. (laughs) I hope you spit up your drink of laughter now. And then two, this was a dark... I mean, this this hit, this checked all the boxes, and you're right. It did have, you know, live acting in it. Some some dark dark ride attractions that we discussed but left off would would have been like Journey into Imagination, uh, Figment, uh, the Seas with Nemo, short dark ride into like an aquarium, uh, the Voyage of the Little Mermaid, and the Grand Fiesta Tour in the Mexico Pavilion. Which they will no longer let you bring your margarita on, which is the only reason that would have made it into a into a top five. <laughs> I agree. But see, this kind of goes hand in hand. We talked about it earlier. Like I think you're gonna see something really cool. Maybe it's Coco. I don't know. Like in Mexico, you're going to see something soon. And then, you know, let me emphasize that we did kick around Flight of Passage and Soarin', and we did kick around some of these other shows at Disney, and they were shows or they were thrill rides. They, they We did not consider them dark rides. So that list of, what, 15 to 17 that we kind of gave you is what we viewed as some of the top dark rides by the definition Pete shared at the beginning uh, in Disney World. Can't Pete. I think mine were the best. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to let us know on uh, on Twitter or email whose list you liked the best, uh, I'll quickly summarize. Pete had Splash Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean, Spaceship Earth, Winnie the Pooh, It's a Small World, and Waiting for the Great Movie Ride to Reopen. Uh, Tom had Space Mountain, Toy Story, Midway Mania, Test Track, Frozen Ever After, and Navi River Journey. And Matt had Tower of Terror, Haunted Mansion, Buzz Lightyear, Dinosaur, Peter Pan, and a super stretch of Rock and Roller Coaster. Super stretch. And again, you can tweet us if you want to let us know who had the best list on our Twitter at MendoWDW Podcast, or you can email us at MendoWDW at gmail.com. Uh, swinging it back to uh, back to you, Pete. All right. Well, um, I don't think I have anything else to say about dark rides. I think that some of ours were, again, pretty stretched, but uh, all in all, pretty solid list. Uh, nothing else to talk about there. Let's go to the trivia question and the secret of the week. What do we got this week? So we'll do the uh, do the secret first, hit the trivia question from last week, and then offer up the trivia question for this week. So the Disney secret of the night. Magic Kingdom is designed so that when you are in one land, you can never see a neighboring land. So even though Liberty Square and Fantasyland are quite literally right next door, thanks to some well-placed foliage and other distractions, you will not be able to see or hear one theme land if you're standing in a different one. So it kind of gives you the illusion that you're really exploring different worlds instead of one connected theme park. For instance... If you were riding, flying high above on Dumbo, it's hard to catch any glimpse of the neighboring Tomorrowland just feet away. Now, here's my question on the secret. What do you Astro Orbiter, right? Astro Orbiter, because you can pretty much see everything from there. Uh, so I would say that's the only exception of the rule. Uh, maybe Swiss Family as well when you go up in, maybe. But aside from that, Disney does a really good job of... I think Splash, you can, yeah, Splash, you can see everything. Yeah, but you can't hear anything. You I think can't... I think it's all ground level is what we're really aiming at. We'll agree to disagree. Walking throughout. That's the secret, and it was intended to be done that way on purpose. Uh, now, the trivia question from last week, remember it was kind of a tricky one. It's trivia. It has to be tricky. How many bathrooms are in Liberty Square? The answer is zero. 
And the reason for this is because Disney wanted this area to represent the, you know, the time frame in which they're trying to depict. So when you go into Columbia Harbor House, there is a bathroom in there, but it's on the Fantasyland side of the restaurant. It's actually not on Liberty, Liberty uh, Square side of the restaurant. This is the kind of thing that I just love about Disney. I mean, it's just you never think about it. You'd be like, oh, I've definitely been in a bathroom there. And nope, you haven't. Yeah, it's on the Fantasyland side. Uh, now, the trivia question for this week uh, came to us from Matt. And yeah, so this trivia question came from me, and I'm embarrassed to say, first off, usually I don't even know the trivia question. Thomas just pops us out, and you know, me and Peter both kind of wondering. But this past week, I went to trivia with a good buddy of mine, and um, it was Wednesday night, and the trivia question popped up for like the final round. Like this is like the big one, six points. And the guy said, the category is Disney. My buddy, knowing me, gave me a double high five over the table. And Tom, I'll let you go with the question. I'll let you guys know. I did not know this one. So that's why this is the question tonight. First off, I'm going to go with kind of like a whose line is it, whose line is it anyway uh, idea here. We're going to pass out points, but the points don't really matter. It was worth six points for Matt, so it'll be worth a thousand points for whoever gets it. Can can we just, can I just pause for a moment before you go on here and... Can we just go around and everybody say one word about how they feel about Matt being on a Disney podcast and missing a Disney trivia question? Just just one word reaction. Oh, no, I'll, I'll tell you my one word. My, mine, is wow, mine is wow. Matt, what was yours? Mine was embarrassing. Sad. Is, oh, is oh my gosh. Like My buddy like texted his wife, texted my wife, told everybody I missed it. So here is the trivia question we've built up more than any other trivia question. What is the name of Geppetto's cat? And we're, of course, referring to Geppetto from Pinocchio. And, and not even uh, a and hard question at that. What is the name of Geppetto's cat? You can tweet us at Podcast or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. Hey, no Google, by the way. That's strictly forbidden. Unless you do it under the table, which you definitely should have done just to no. save face. No, no, I couldn't do it. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, good stuff. Well, thank you, Tom. Anything else, guys? One more note in closing, uh, Pete, I want to add, we will be taking the July 4th holiday off. uh, So we'll take one week off the podcast. Uh, So you will have, um, obviously, listen to this episode. This populates on on Tuesday, June 26th. And your next one will populate on Tuesday, July 10th. So we'll take one week off. All right. Well, with that, that's all we've got for this week. Please tune in in two weeks for more Disney magic. Look for us on the Twitter at Podcast. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments, please tweet us or email us at mendowdw at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really does help us out. Thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have, your time. We'll see you in two weeks.